All right, welcome to a special edition of the Sidious Mac podcast. As I am packing my bags for Des Moines, I figured I would take the time to do a little bit of a preview episode of the pod- of USA's with uh, the fellow track and field nerd on the Sidious Mac staff, uh, the one and only Kevin Liao. We actually got some pretty good feedback, I think, in um, a podcast review for the last time that we did one of these and it was actually last summer when the team was decided at USA's we kind of just did a show where it was like is this team stronger or weaker than the 2016 Olympic team and just kind of had a riff on that um, and people enjoyed it so I figured we would preview this year's championships and also we're both going to be in Des Moines Kevin it'll be your first time in Des Moines have you ever been to Iowa uh, I, yeah, I went to the tw- 2012 NCAA is so it'll be my second time there, but I haven't traveled to attract me uh, since the trials in 2016 because Sacramento was here where I lived last year. So I'm really excited for us. Yeah, so it'll be good. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of, of the Sidious Mag staff out there. So stay tuned and keep tabs on our Twitter page for any sort of, you know, meetup or shakeout run that we decide to plan. Sterner versus 60 is going to be the big thing that we're going to put on out there. It's going to be on a whim, we're going to decide whether or not Ryan Sterner can break 60 seconds in the 400, which he said on the podcast, Running Things Considered. So go ahead and listen to that show, the latest episode of that. They kind of go into uh, why all of a sudden he thought that he can do he, – he said literally you can do anything in 60 seconds, and that included running a lap on the track in his opinion. So uh, that'll be interesting. Keep tabs on that. But let's get right into, I guess – Returning to Des Moines, that was my first ever U.S. championships that I covered, 2013, and it's so different now. Uh, I think when they first announced that we were going back to Des Moines for the U.S. championships, they announced that you know it was going to be the first time since 2010 and 2013 that Des Moines has hosted USA's. Um, But I'm going to run through the list of U.S. championship U.S. champions the last time we were out there, and it's just so interesting how the sport has this quick turnaround. It's only been five years. Some people are still competing at a very high level. Some people are wow, are like, wow, I have not heard that name in such a long time. And so I, I'm actually curious of some of your reactions, Kevin. So in the men's men's and women's hundred, women's champ, English Gardner, men's champ, Justin Gatlin, men's uh, 110 meter hurdles, Ryan Wilson. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Brianna Rollins was the women's champ. And I, think she set the american record at that meet yeah that was the year she was on fire and i certainly remember her really getting after i believe ryan wilson's now coaching hurdles at usc so still in the mix still um guiding some of the young talent of the future so still involved with the sport especially after how big of a national championship uh usc had it's great to see him still involved 400 meter hurdles Women, Delilah Muhammad, went on to become the Olympic champion. Uh, men, Michael Tinsley, I believe he's still competing, but he's been a name that's been around for such a long time. And he was, at this point, coming off that high from the 2012 Olympics, where I, I believe he went silver. Um, 200 meters, Allison Felix. She is not running this time around. Men, Isaiah Young, I believe he's still competing. 400, Natasha Hastings. Men, LaShawn Merritt. 800 meters, women, Alicia Montano, men, Dwayne Solomon. This is where Dwayne Solomon finally beat Nick Simmons. Uh, That was a very interesting uh, U.S. championship because I believe Simmons had a winning streak that uh, was going on at the time. And then he was uh, like, uh, his goal was to make the team in Des Moines, but then later on really peak for the championships. And he ended up doing just that uh, and winning a silver medal at the world championships in Moscow. 1500. Okay, I was confused before we started taping. I said that's the year Mary Kane won. No, it was Trenier Moser who won. Mary Kane was second. That's where it, this was like, kind of like peak Kane sanity when that when when that was a thing. Um, men's champion Matthew Centrowitz, Olympic champ in 2016, and still, I guess, pretty one of the top U.S. 1500 meter guys. Uh, women's 3000 meter steeplechase shout out nicole bush she will be returning to des moines but she'll be with the media this time around with Sidious mag so uh we're gonna we're gonna do some fun stuff with her she gets into town on friday or saturday i believe um men evan jager still number one 
And I will point out, Evan Jager might be the only person on this list who is the favorite to win in the same event uh, now five years later. Yeah, actually, I agree with that entire statement. 5,000-meter Jenny Simpson, that was the year that she had the bye for the World Championships because she had won the gold medal in 2011, so she opted to run the 5K at the U.S. Champs. And that was a now looking back, that's a really strong 5K team where it's like Jenny Simpson, uh, Molly Huddle, and Shannon Roberry all made the same team. And, and they were, I believe, on Ryan Whiting's shoulders, I think, when they were celebrating. It was a really funny picture <laughs> at the time. Uh, Bernard Lagat now retired from the track, so he obviously can't be one of the guys. 10,000 meters women, Shalane Flanagan, and men's champion was Galen Rupp. So it's like those two are now marathoners and, and, uh, Actually, wow, it's pretty crazy to think about. Like five years later, those those two uh, won world marathon majors. That's pretty crazy. Um, so you're right. I totally agree. Of the track events, Evan Jager is probably going to, I would say, going to be the only person to win a title in 2013 and 2018. Yep. Looks like it. Uh, I guess like we're going to focus the entire show on the track events because I, I remember I p- put out this list and we got some flack for I got some flack for not including all the field events. But uh, I, I guess most of our listeners are track runners. So uh, we will do we'll give some love to the field events when we're doing the daily podcast from Des Moines, which Kevin and I will be doing uh, every day that we're there, except for uh, Sunday. I guess that's when you leave early, but we'll figure it out when we we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So. The big storyline that a lot of people have been talking about, Kevin, is who's not there. Justin Gatlin is taking the year, or USA is to rest. Christian Coleman is hurt. Felix, Allison Felix is taking the season easy. Uh, Delilah Muhammad needs some rest. Tori Bowie is injured. And um, who was the other one, I guess, that we're missing? It Was was it Brittany Reese? Is like, I think, cut her yeah, season Yeah, she short. said she ended her season already, which is kind of weird because it's June, but... I'm assuming she's sort of in the same boat as Allison Felix, who, you know, she's been running at the top level since 2003. Um, she's still aiming for 2020, which by then she'll be 34. So it does sort of make sense that um, someone of her age is taking sort of a down year to let her body recuperate and in hopes of still being, uh, you know, being able to make an Olympic team at the age of 34. That's wild. So what do you make of like, we're not going to have Justin Gatlin. We're not going to have Christian Christian Coleman. So we have we don't we're missing the 27, 2017 uh, U.S. and world champion. Then we're missing Christian Coleman, who's been lighting the track on fire ever since then. It's like I I feel like Jesse Squire had a tweet earlier today uh, as we're recording this about. Uh, let me pull it up here. Just the the athletes that aren't there. It was how it's being how it's a big storyline. He says, "I've heard a lot of criticism that U.S. stars won't be at the U.S. USATF championships, but only five of the forty-two U.S. leaders won't be there. Three of whom just ended a long collegiate season. Now, if you're talking stars of four to five years ago, sure, but nearly all of today's stars will be there. I I agree with Jesse's sentiment because um, you you've got a young star like Noah Lyles running there." He's even dipping down to the 100, which I think is going to be super interesting. Um, and we, so this, this U.S. Championships is going to echo a lot of what we saw at the NCAA Championships, where it's today's stars for the 2020 Olympics. A lot of the names on this that are going to come out of this championship as winners, I think we'll also see on the 2016, uh, 2020 Olympic team. Because and that's a, I think a point Jesse made about that uh, that championship. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is unfortunate to see people who we know or we think are fairly healthy, someone like Delilah Muhammad or Justin Gatlin. I mean, you know, I understand the incentive of hey, you're going to go to Diamond League race uh, meets where the conditions are better, the prize money is in theory better. But if you actually look up the prize money for USA's, it's eight thousand dollars for first. 6,000 for second, 4,000 for third versus a diamond league race, which is 10,000 for first. It's, you know, a little bit more, you know, at USA, you have to run a couple rounds to earn that prize money. But at the end of the day, this, these are the national championships and there is a sort of prestige in that, um, you know, at, at the end of your career, when you get inducted to the track hall of fame, which somewhat exists, um, you know, you're going to, they're going to say, just like in the NBA, they're going to say you're an 18 time all-star and a 
three-time world champion, they're going to say how many U.S. titles you have. I think that matters. And, you know, I get the short-term uh, implications of, hey, I want to go to Lausanne and run fast. But ultimately, I think there's something in having, you know, more U.S. title belts, um, you know, as, as a career accomplishment. Definitely. The other interesting thing that I saw is so this is from the Reuters article when they announced that Christian Coleman and Justin Gatlin weren't running was that they are it's we're still fielding a national team out of this championships. And so this is going to be teams that are going to the World Cup. Now, that's not to be confused with the World Cup that's currently going on in Russia. The real this, World Cup. Let's just call it that. Yeah, that, that's the, there's the real, real Donald Trump and there's the real World Cup. Yeah, so there's this other World Cup that's scheduled for July 14th. Oddly enough, I think the day that the uh, the the real World Cup ends. This is the Track and Field World Cup. It's going to have teams from the U.S., Jamaica, China, France, Germany, Britain, South Africa, and Poland. So it's kind of like a a U.S. championship on a whim, a, a world championship, kind of without some of the other, without the East African nations. Actually, now that I, now that I'm piecing it all together. Um, I, I'm just very curious. Like, I liked the original idea, which was going to be USA versus Great Britain in a dual meet. This just seems like it's just a watered down world championships without the East African teams. And it's like, who? I, I don't know who asked for this. This doesn't. You're also picking doing this on a weekend where I believe Wimbledon is going on. You have NBA free agency, which is going to be huge because LeBron. The World Cup probably, final is that weekend. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so it's like. This isn't going to get any major attention on the, like from, you know, an ESPN and an SI, like, and that's, that's me on that end of things too. It's just like the, the general sports audience is not going to, you're not going to draw any new eyes. I think this is exactly going to, you're going to draw the same audience that you do for a regular world championships and you probably even less because you don't have some of those East, East African nations. So like I, 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 if, if people are bashing some of these athletes for like, Oh, you're not going to be part of the world cup team. Like, you know, I, <laughs> most people don't know what this world cup is. Yeah. I mean, I, this originally started as the UK versus the U S dual meet, which in it, you know, on paper is a cool idea. One-on-one, you know, that's something that if some, if, you know, my dad was flipping around an ESPN two on a Saturday, he might say, Oh, that's a cool idea. I'm, I'm going to stop and watch. But I think what happened is they thought, oh, bigger is better. Let's invite other countries when that was exactly what would lose appeal for a lot of average fans. Once you see all these other random countries there, you don't know who the Polish 400 meter runner is. Um, the, the sort of concept isn't as attractive as the original um, dual meet idea was. And I think it's also the day after a Diamond League meet. I, I'd have to check that schedule. It's like you're going to lose athletes to that. There's also the Continental Cup, I think, was a thing a while ago. And it's it's also, I think, been called the World Cup before. So this is just like a really weird meet. Like I hate to bash something new before giving it a chance. But it's just like I don't think this one was really thought thought through as to like who is this for. It's going to be – I mean, sure, I'll watch because – I'm a track and field nut, but like it's, it's 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 not enticing for for any other reason than like a diamond league is. So, uh, yeah. So I think we've we've already bashed the World Cup, the track and field World Cup. Um, let's get back to I guess Des Moines for a sec. So, um, I think I think this year's. U.S. Championships is going to see some fast performances, and that's going. To, and I think you put together a couple over unders. If you want to, do we want to start there? Um, I was, there were a couple matchups to me that were interesting, and um, you know, one that I was surprised to see an entry into this meet was Molly Huddle, who, since Boston, were you know tough conditions. She obviously had a tough race. We've only seen her run race once, which was at the New York Roadrunners. Uh, mini 10k she finished third not the fastest time but you know a solid race but you know checking entries the other day we see her entering the 10k which is you know i certainly didn't expect and so i think the matchup there will be huddle against her training partner emily sisson who 
in the last couple of years has really come around, made her first world team uh, last year in the 10K, has run some solid half marathons uh, in New York City the last couple of years. And so how do you see this matchup playing out? I mean, it, it's sort of the, the younger uh, runner in Sisson with maybe a little bit quicker legs versus now the seasoned marathoner. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me. That was a little bit of a surprise to see Molly declared for USA's. Um, I, it's, I think you know, I think of it as well as kind of like from the business standpoint, where just like there's there's prize money, there's probably a bonus for national titles. This could be like with the field looking at it, where it's like Emily Sisson is your training partner. You probably have an idea of whether or not you might be able to beat her. Jessica Tan and Gwen Jorgensen, I believe, are still kind of like getting their legs under the 10K distance. Um, I think like you, you just look at it and it's like Molly Huddle is immediately a favorite. It's like, why not go add another national title, given the fact that you probably have fitness left over from Boston because it was such hard conditions. And then after, and so it's like maybe you didn't give it your all. Or obviously, you gave it your all and emptied the tank, but it's just like the fitness wasn't exactly what you would hope to to exert yourself in but so i think like this could be another easy national title for molly huddle and it's and it's great um i would like to see some and i you know what i yeah going into maybe the, the final mile i could see gwen jorgensen hanging on molly huddle because gwen jorgensen is that type of athlete who is going to be bold enough to to go with her i actually that's what i'm most curious about is yes and we know emily sisson can hang with molly huddle i want to see gwen jorgensen hang with her too for sure. And I wouldn't count out someone like Mario Hall, who probably has the best closing speed out of uh, almost every, anyone in this race, having, you know, made a, a a team in the 5K. I mean, she she's not to be counted out. Certainly, if she's in the mix with 400 to go, I think um, she'll have a good shot. Um, Molly Seidel is another, like, podium chance uh, yeah. runner as well, just given her she's she's had some really good road races this spring so um i wouldn't discount her and stephanie bruce as well is another person who uh has thrown down some some fast times on the track and can show she could do it on the roads and on and on the track um sure. so yeah i mean that's the extreme that's the that's the i guess we'll let you know since we started the women's 10k let's work our way backwards men's 10k and we'll we'll drop down to some of the quicker stuff and we could do some over-unders after that so um Men's 10K, Shadrach Kipchirchir has, I think, the fastest qualifying time with the 27.07 that he ran earlier in the year. And then after that, it's like, I think we have a very intriguing matchup with of someone like him. And then there's a Garrett Heath and a Lopez Lamont, guys who are also using this 2018 to adjust to the 10K distance. So I think it, 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 Kipchirchir is a heavy favorite here. Yeah, hard to disagree with that. Um... I'm kind of intrigued of Lopez in the 10. We just, the first time we saw it run, saw him run it was at the Stanford invite um, in March. And I was there and he looked okay, um, got out kicked, but, um, you know, running an event for the first time, it's kind of hard to gauge what someone's true potential is. And so, um, you know, put him in championship race where the first half might be kind of slow you know, could be good for him. And as things ramp up, he's certainly been in that position before. So he's sort of the most intriguing, uh, character I see in this, in this one. Yeah. So we won't dwell on that one for, for too long, but Kipchirchir, yeah, he's almost 50 seconds faster than the, than Garrett Heath, who was the second fastest guy declared. So, um, it's so weird not to see, you know, a Galen Rupp on there or even a, uh, I'm trying to think like a, Ben True or Hassan Mead in this field. Um, Hassan Mead, I believe, yep, he's declared in the 5K, so we'll move right into that. He's had a couple, like, DNFs recently, which have been a little strange, um, but I think it's going to be a battle for... He hate to say it, but it's, like, just in terms of, like, going into Mead and thinking that maybe some of these athletes will listen to this, but it's, like, it's a battle for a second behind Paul Chalima. 13.08. Uh, is is his time, I guess, for for the year, and then after that, you've got Hassan Mead, thirteen eleven, but he's been off his game recently. Eric Jenkins, thirteen fifteen, Riley Masters, thirteen sixteen. Those two could be in for some some big performances, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, Shalimo, you can't really ever judge him by his PR because he's always a guy who shows up on the big stage, whether, you know, 2016 Olympics, silver medal, um, an, another medal at the Worlds last year in the 5K. And if you remember USA's last year, that crazy race where he went out in, I don't remember exactly what it was, something like 408 for the first mile and just gapped everyone and no one caught him. Um, you know, he, he's a guy who shows up in the big time. And so, yeah, to me, it's intriguing, you know, for second and third places for between names like Hassan Me, Jenkins, Riley Masters, Ryan Hill. I mean, those are some legit names, even guys like Dylan Maggard, the Blue Jean Marl, uh world record holder, you know, gotta um, throw him in the mix in there as well. It's, it's going to be fascinating. Even someone like Grant Fisher, who doesn't have the fastest PR, but we've seen in championship situations has shown up. Um, could be a lot of guys there in the mix um, over the last lap, you know, kicking down for those uh, podium spots. Women's 5K field, Shelby Houlihan's the big star. She's run 15 flat. Lauren Paquette is second with her 15-15. But then after that, you have someone like Rachel Schneider, who we've primarily seen contest like the 1500, and, and that's what people, I guess, know her best for. But she's really taken on to the, the, to the 5K. And Katie Mackey has experience on a championship stage is 15, 18. Uh, but then you have, you know, Mariel Hall, 15, 19, Carisha uh, Schweizer, 15, 19 as well. So it's like this, I like the, the women's 5k is more intriguing than the men's one, where I think you have more names who are going to be in that mix with, you know, um, say, you know, 800 to go. Yeah. And Houlihan is scheduled to double, um, She's entered both the 15 and the five, which means if she was to double, she'd run a 1500 prelim on Thursday, the 1500 final on Saturday, and then come back Sunday for the 5k. Now she may decide not to do that. in which case it would be completely wide, wide open. And that would actually be the probably the most interesting scenario. Um, you have a lot of really good runners in the 1515 to 1525 range. And that would really be something to watch um, on Sunday if Houlihan decided to scratch and it was, it'd really be a wide open field. What, what do you think would be more impressive? The winning a eight 5K double or a, I mean, 15 5K double? It's more obvious. Like anyone doing an eight 5K double, that is some serious range. And I think Shelby Houlihan's an athlete who can do something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, What's I don't think you're beating AJ Wilson in the 800, but it'd be something fun to see for sure. Even if you take third in that race and you dip yeah. under two, but then go on to win the 5K, now that is a hell of a double. That I could see her doing. I'm not sure if the schedule works out, but uh, <laughs> hypothetically, that'd be really fun to think about. Just an idea for next year. Yeah. Um, 1500, we'll go to the women's first because we're still on the note of Shelby Houlihan, it's probably the best matchup of the entire meet, I think, for many reasons. Yeah, I'm actually writing about this, so um, I just will say that, uh, you know, in concept, this could be sort of a handing of the torch from Simpson to Houlihan. We saw Houlihan beat Simpson for the first time in her career at Pre. Um, the question is, in a different sort of situation, in a championship meet, can she do it? Um, Jenny Simpson is, uh, going to turn 32 in a couple months and Houlihan is 25. So, um, the question is at what point does, uh, Shelby Houlihan sort of take that, uh, championship belt in the 1500? That's see, that's the thing though. It's like, we don't know how often she's going to stick to the 1500. Like this could be just be her and Jerry thinking, let's just see how fast you can go. And it's obviously going to help you for the 5k. I don't see it as a passing of the torch because I also don't think that Jenny Simpson's done. And that's been like, I guess when I did an interview with her for SI earlier in the year, I mean, it, she just said, this has always been really interesting to her how for years it's been Shannon Robury and her just one, two. And the third person, I think dating back to 2012 has always been someone new. So this is, this might be the first time where I guess maybe you have someone like Jenny Simpson, first or second and then after that like it's two new people because i uh, shannon's not at the championship this year because she's pregnant and so 
now you have Shelby Houlihan stepping into this role where she's maybe the lock to take the second spot. But, and then it's that third picture gets so crowded between, you know, someone like a Brendan Martinez, who I think 20 last year might've been like the last year that she said she was really going to run the eight, but it still seems to be more of her strong suit than the 15. You've got a Sarah Vaughn who's made, who made the world championship team last year. You've got a Kate Grace who made the Olympic team in the 800, but I believe but made the world team in the 1500 last year. It's, this is probably the most stacked race of USA's. Yeah, uh, it's third place. If we're saying one two is Simpson Houlihan, it's um, it's going to be a coin toss, and that might be one of the uh, you know prop bets we do Saturday morning on a on a quick social media video. Presidious is is who takes that third spot because um, I mean you could even. You know, last year, no one saw Sarah Vaughn finishing third. So, you know, you have someone down on the list, you know, like Nicole Tully. You could easily see her making a team with, you know, her solid finishing speed. So, um, completely wide open. Yeah, I'm looking all the way down to the list. And I guess you have people who have run. It's pretty much anyone who's run 410 or faster. And... It's a lot of people like what when we had this race in 2013, it was Trainier Moser, Mary Kane one, two kind of like expected because they were favorites. The big surprise there was Corey McGee sneaking in and taking the third spot this time around. I think we could see something similar. Maybe Des Moines treats Corey McGee very well. She has been running pretty well this year. So maybe it's just another yard in the 800, right? Exactly. So it's like maybe this is a case where it's just, you know, anytime USA's is held at uh, in Des Moines, Corey McGee finishes top three. Maybe that's a that's a working conspiracy theory that we have going. Um, all right. So, like, let's let's predict it. You Are you sticking Shelby over Jenny or what's your pick? Uh I'm still picking Jenny. I just think there is a lot of intrigue around whether Shelby can, um, you know, if you come at the King, you best not, best not miss. Um, but if, if it comes down to it, I, I, th- I think I'm still going with Jenny Simpson. I think for every day of USA's, we're going to have a marquee race to watch. And we're all going to have picks and we're going to have some sort of bet on the line where the losers have to do something. We're still workshopping this. We'll come up with something. Don't make me run a 400. That's all. Yeah. It might have to involve some running. We'll see. Um, All right. Men's 15. This is another one where there's like so many names that have scratched and like not accepted. It's like sad. This could have been like a really awesome race. Like Merber scratched, Ben Blankenship scratched. Uh, you have guys like Will Gohegan who were not accepted, but he's a guy who like had a great 2016 trials. Um, I think I'm mean, off the top of my head. Grant Fisher, I guess, is doing the 5K. Then you've got, I guess, like it is still a big field where the, which is going to have multiple rounds. Like, but there are some interesting people entered in this, like Eric Jenkins, Hassan Mead. Those are guys that were that are probably going to be faring better i guess in the in the 5k but they're also entered in the or declared for the 1500 the big question here is like is matt centrowitz still very good no no that's not like it's not like a is joe flacco elite type question yet (laughs) but it's more of just kind of like he was banged up 2017 you have to think the hangover from winning an olympic olympic gold medal and making history like that, like the celebration is a long one. You st- you still have to do a bunch of media tours. Um, and so it's like that kind of takes a long time. It's kind of like my working theory as to why the Chicago Cubs didn't win the World Series last year. It was because, you know, you they had to do so much after the season ended in terms of just celebrating it and uh, and just kind of like commemorating and, and, and just doing this. Into, like it, It's a victory lap that just takes forever. Maybe Centrowitz had that. Maybe that's why he was banged up. But at the same time, it's like when you made history like that and you're at that age and he's been going for so long, it's like, is the motivation still there? Maybe. Like, what more do you have to do? Like, 
you're like that race in Rio was just so one of a kind that it's like you kind of had to be a little realistic and say like, you know what? I don't like I think that's not going to happen again. It was just a race that fell into yeah. his hands. You're not going to get away with the tactics, the tactics the same way a second time. So it's like, do you really push yourself as hard for the next four years? I guess, yes, because it is your job. But it's if you back off a little bit and you still, you know, are making teams and you're top three, you you don't have to win all the time. But it's, so it's like, I don't know. It's just a very there's a lot of moving pieces there where it's like the century would still have it. I hope so, because he's one of the top U.S. stars. But if, is it OK if he doesn't? I say yes. Oh, totally. I mean, look, this guy from whenever he started running, 13 years old, every day he wakes up dreaming of winning Olympic gold. And so when you actually do it and you know that that's what's going to be on your tombstone to come back and be as good and as motivated and really be as hungry, that's really hard. And so do I blame the guy for, you know, look, I, I don't I, I don't watch his workouts every day. I don't know what he's doing. But even if that extra, you know, 2% that you need to push yourself, if he's not quite there, it's really hard to blame the guy. And so if he never gets back to where he was in 2016, you know, oh, well. But I, I think he has already achieved what we're ultimately going to remember him for. And so um, hard, hard to hard to blame him for that. Yeah, and it's so hard to picture it happen, happening again. And even – you have to be a realist. You can tell yourself, you can wake up every day and say, yeah, you know, I won an Olympic gold medal in 2016 and I think I can do it again. There's got to be a little sliver of reality in there. That's also like, well, you know what? That 2016 race was just too perfect. It's like, so yeah, I don't blame him for not being the top us 1500 meter guy. Maybe this is the start of us seeing someone else like really emerge from that. You have guys like Johnny Gregoric, Robbie Andrews, Craig Engels, who have made teams in the past. You've got younger guys who have just barely missed making teams, but have run really fast times. Guys like Colby Alexander, Drew Hunter. I think this could be Drew Hunter's first big U.S. championships. Because oh, you, just took my, you took my take. That was yeah. going to be what I was going to say. I, I think he's ready for, I'm not going to say he's going to win, but I think this is going to be when we start considering Drew Hunter as a, you know, a contender to make world teams starting next year. Cause you know, he's shown he's won a couple, you know, major races this year and um, he hasn't quite popped a huge PR, but I think he's at the point where we're ready to see something really, really good from him. And the funniest thing was, is that you almost got away with taking, having that take first because his name is just a little buried on the <laughs> list between a Robert Domanic and a Sam Prakel and a Pat Casey actually as well. Pat Casey, I guess, like major props on the resurrection uh, here. That's actually one of the most impressive things I've seen. It's just like just when he thought he was done, he's mm. he's back, I guess, to some extent, uh, running, you know, pretty well. You've got interesting storylines like Christian Serratos, who has not run, I think, or, or raced in almost a year. Coming back for USA's is pretty impressive, like to open there. Um, David Ribich. Sidious Mac podcast guest from two or three episodes ago. He's running uh, his first uh, USA's as a professional. Last year, he made the final and finished ninth overall. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and pause this episode right now and go back and listen to, to that one or listen to it after. Um, it's one of the better episodes we've done recently. Um, yeah, I almost misread this name of Edward Crawford as Edward Cheserick, but that's just because of <laughs> Edward and then the C. But um yeah, there's a lot of interesting names in this field. Um, it's not, I wouldn't say, like, if I were to, what, what grade would you give this type of field? Like, you, obviously, the trials, you get an A, it's a, it's an A. It's the best of the best. I think yeah, 2013, like, when there, like obviously, a, when there's a better, when there's a team to make, it's yeah. like, that, it's guaranteed to be a B plus to B minus, like, field. This you one, know I would who say, I don't see? Um, and I know he raced a couple of weeks ago. Is is Leo Manzano? I think he's on there. I, yeah, he's on there. He's just oh. run. He's run three fifty seven. Oh, You're right. That was a couple of weeks ago. Okay, good. Uh, we will look forward to seeing him. Yeah, because that's a, and that's another funny name. We're just like he 
he stuns everyone at, at, at championships and, but he's just, he's looked to be blunt, pretty bad. Like recently, except for this race that Adrian Martinez that he had where he dipped under four minutes for the mile for the mm-hmm. first time in, in a while. Like I, Leo is also a previous guest on the podcast, but it's been a rough go for a little while, but you never doubt him. Um, never. So we got, all right, let's run through. I guess we got a couple more before we get to the sprints here. 800, Donovan Brazier versus Isaiah Harris versus, you know, Eric Sawinski and Drew Windle, I guess as well, because he's got the, um, the medal from uh, World Indoors. Clayton Murphy's still got an Olympic medal from from 2016, so it's like this is a this is another interesting race. I think of the men's distance races, this might be the better of all the I guess of the 15 and the 5K and 10K. Yeah, it, to me, the most interesting name is Clayton Murphy. I mean, you know, has the medal from 2016 last year. Got off to a awesome start ran 143 at mount sack super early in the year and then tried that kind of crazy 815 double at usa's then got hurt and was out and then then changed training groups moved up to portland and he's looked got off to a really slow start but looked pretty good at pre running 353 for the mile um you know hasn't run the fastest 800 time yet this year but he seemed to be training in the right direction so um, if he can put up a solid performance here, I think we can get close to saying that Clayton Murphy's back. Yeah, no double this year, which is a good move. Thank goodness. Um, that was a mess last year. Um, I guess the other thing with this eight that I just noticed off the top of my head is just because I'm having so many flashbacks from 2013 is none of the three guys who made that 2013 team are back. No Nick Simmons, no Dwayne Solomon. Can you remember off the top of your head who was number three? Brandon Johnson. Yep, there you go. Bingo. You'd, like if we decide to do like a track, like if there is a track and field trivia in uh, in Des Moines for some reason, we would run the table. Um, all right, women's. I eight. once pulled over. I was driving and I couldn't remember who the like third guy to make the 2009 men's 1500 team is, and I and I. I literally had to pull over and look it up because I was driving myself crazy. That's how insane. Who were it? Who was it? I think it was Lopez. I think it was Lagat. Oh man, now now someone's gonna pull it up and I'm gonna sound dumb. But it was Leo. I think Lagat had the buy, so he didn't run it. Um, it was someone else, but it was Lopez Lamong who was the third guy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, women's eight. Man, it's. It's always a, a, a stacked race. Ajay Wilson, Charlene Lipsy. Charlene Lipsy, who hasn't been, hasn't appeared as sharp as previous years. Raven Rogers, uh, Sierra Brown. Like those, that's a really strong top four. Krishana Williams, who made the Olympic team. Laura Raisler is kind of back, working her way back, finally at like two flat, um, given I think she was banged up for a little bit. Um, this is a, I guess it's going to be another Ajay Wilson show. I'm very intrigued to see how fast she runs. Um, I think put yeah. her in the right race this this summer, maybe a Monaco. Yeah, it even improve that American record even more. Oh, for sure. I, I think that's probably going to happen. I, I, you know, it's this seems like a classic Ajay Wilson lead wire to wire and run away with it race. Yeah, um, I don't think, I think she's peaking for the U.S. Championships. I oh, think for probably sure. Or something later on in the summer I, because I ran into someone who works for the Monaco Diamond League when I was in London for the marathon, and we were kind of just chatting briefly. And he was like, "You have to come out to the race this year. It's like it's it's going to be. We're going to have you know world record attempts as always." And I said, "I." He didn't specify like what events, and I was like, "You know what? Get the women's eight." Go for the women's eight world record. I mean, if Caster Semenya is fighting this decision from the uh, mm-hmm. from the IAAF on the 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 hormone regulations and everything like that. It's like why not just break the world record there and then have them figure out like and then have the, everyone deal with with the situation afterwards. Right. Pack that race up where you have like an Ajay Wilson go, like improving upon her American record. Go for it. Like the, I think that's the world record we've focused in Monaco for way too long in the men's 1500 world record. And it's, it's just constant disappointment. I think the women's eight world record has to go. 
And I think that's something where we'll see Ajay Wilson maybe. If Monaco is the place, there could be another Diamond League race, I think, that um, that goes for a, a world record attempt. So the world Ajay record belongs in the there. women's eight is 153.28. That's, like, crazy. Yeah, but Caster, and, has, and I've Caster. always felt, has been holding back a little bit. But she's, like, almost two seconds off that in her, her PR. Yeah. The same. Um, It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, give it a shot. Why not? And if Ajay just, you know, gets on the back of that string. It's a good train to be on. Could do someone special. Yeah. All right. So now we've got the sprints. Um, do you want to just handle these yeah. as over-unders? Let's do this. I So I, I set a couple lines, over-under lines, on a couple of the more interesting sprint races. So um, we mentioned earlier that a lot of people – aren't doing their normal races. And that's uh, certainly the case in couple, several of the sprint races. So Christian Taylor, the you know uh, triple jump, Olympic and world champion, said of the triple jump, he's running the open 400. And he set his 400 PR earlier this year at Hengelo. He ran 45.07. So that's my line, 45.07, Chris, over under Christian Taylor in the uh, 400 meters. I'm going to take the under. I think he's going to PR. And I think he's going to make the final, obviously. Um, there's actually quite a couple guys. Let's see. We've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 11 or 12 um, guys who have faster PRs in uh, this 400 field. But I think he sneaks into the final and he'll finish top five because he just. I don't know. He'll show up on the, on it. I think you'll have a lot of those other guys eliminated in that first round, just because you have a fast PR doesn't mean you can, you can run rounds uh, as well. Christian Taylor might be able to run some rounds, given the fact that he's got, you know, you've got to, to wait around a bunch of times and really peak at the right time in the, in the trip, in the jumps. Um, I don't see the name. I don't see on this is Michael Norman on the men's 400. That that's because he's running the 200, Chris. Oh, okay. See, now, okay, so that might affect my, my over under Because I was, was going to say <laughs> that being in a race with a Michael Norman or a Fred Curley, who's, who's also not, not in it. also not in it, would carry a Christian Taylor to a much faster PR. Oh, man. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm sticking with the under. I think he's got a PR. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to be with you. And the interesting thing in this one is that you have some guys, Gil Roberts, Will London, who have popped fairly fast times, but they're not consistent, which means if Christian Taylor can make it in the final and run 44-8, he might be in it for one of the top spots if these guys don't show up. Um, you never know. So to me, he's got more consistency in him than some of the guys at the top. So potentially... Potentially, he could be, you know, contending for a top spot, but you never. How know. much money would so, I place on this? So, let's see. If, uh, like, how confident am I in this bet in the under? I'd put like two hundred dollars on this bet. Ooh, okay. Yeah. All, All right. right, next bet. So we, we brought up we brought up Michael Norman in the two hundred. Um, he is in the two. He is uh the number four seeded athlete between behind Noah Lyles, Isaiah Young, and Amir Webb. Now, Norman, who, you know, we know last week ran 43.6, crazy in the 400. This year, he's run 20.06 win legal, but that was like a negative 1.4 at the Sun Angel meet, like in April. And then he ran 1984 win dated at Pac-12s, and I was at that, and it was like a 2.4 win. So I'm setting the over under at 1988 for Mike Norman in the 200 over under Chris. I'm going to go with the under because right now the only two guys who have gone under are Noah Lyles and Isaiah. Young. Actually, you know what? Can I go for a push? Can I go that he's going to run 1988? <laughs> I mean, you could. It's kind of weak, but you know. I'm gonna go with the push. 
I'm going to go with the push okay. on this one because I think he's he might be tired. It's been a long NCAA season. Like if he doesn't win USA's, that's okay because there is you know there are guys like Noah Lyles or Demir Webb or Isaiah Young who who train who are training to peak at USA's because you know I guess the there is some prize money here and also they like they don't have to peak as much for a uh, for a uh, diamond league. So I'm gonna go because yeah I'll go push on the 188 uh, 1988 because I think he's in better shape than an Amir Webb who's run 2001, but he might be a little bit tired and won't be able to go under. He might finish third I think behind Lyles and Young. Yeah, I'm gonna go a slight over um, one for the fatigue from the collegiate season. Also, the wind in Des Moines gets funky sometimes. Um, in the past, they've had to run it backwards, which you know sucks for fans who buy tickets in the at the normal finish line. But um, you know, forecast has weather in the sort of low 80s with random thunderstorms, which you get in the Midwest. So um, I'm gonna go to slide over. He is racing Lausanne, uh, I believe, on July 3rd, which is scheduled to have uh, Noah Lyles and Christian Coleman in the field. I think that's the one to really watch out for because he gets his European meets. The weather's great. There's no wind. That could really be something special. All right. So Noah Lyles has said he's running the 100. Um, so for him, I'm going over under of 990. Over under, Chris. Over. I think Why it's, is that? Uh, it's not. His, he's run 1993. I guess, yeah, I to make a couple of weeks ago. So somewhere in the Caribbean. So mm -hmm. uh, he was, he didn't finish first. So he, he had some competition there. The question what, is, what's the schedule? What does he have first? Uh, good question. Let me, I believe the hundreds first. Okay. Uh, yeah. The hundred is, is on uh prelims Thursday, final Friday night. All right, I'm going to go over because he say, he's obviously going to save something for the 200. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you kind of – Ronnie Baker's run great this year, um, but, you know, guys like Mike Roger, Isaiah Young, you kind of don't know if they're going to show up on a given day. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go a slight over as well. Um, and then finally, the, the wait, biggest – oh, Yeah, go ahead. Hey, is still in his, is. On the 2013 – championship this was the weird that was the year that he had the weird positive test afterwards and then served a suspension but he's still going i mean he's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen he's 13th on the list what odds do you give me on tyson gay winning the u.s championships oh, i thought you were gonna say make the final uh on winning yeah Jeez, louise this is, like, um, is it now like 300 to one? Prob I mean, something like that. Whatever the Vegas Ooh. Golden Knights odds were to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, he ran, so his season's best has been 10-11 from you know, the dreaded Claremont track. Which When's know, the last time he broke 10? Uh, 2016, he ran 997. Um, oh man, you might have to give me 500 to one odds on this one. Yeah, I mean, he ran, you know, so about a month ago, he ran 10-11, but on the Claremont track, which is always a little funky. So, um, yeah, dude, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> last race he has won was last June. It was a race where it was he ran 19-94, but it was 2.2 win. So last wind legal win... Oh, okay, so last time Tyson Gay won a 100 meter race, take a guess when it was. Uh, 2016, early in the season. It was, yep. Well, and it was at Claremont. It was like 10.03. And that was, yeah, that was the last May uh, 2016. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, it's been a while since Tyson Gates. Interesting. After the last year's USA, as I you know was in the mix zone when he didn't make the final, and I can't remember if it was the one or two, and he kind of he looked done. And so the fact that he's still back out here competing is great to see. And whatever happens, I think you know press will want to talk to him. We'll be in the mix zone. We'll we'll talk to him because I think um, regardless, there'll be an in, in interest in. In his own performances, yeah. but I, I actually want to ask him what he thinks when he's seeing No Lyles and Michael Norman running crazy fast times. I mean, obviously the the torch has been passed, and I'm curious to to see what he thinks. Definitely, and also like to to be fair, he had did have like the death of his daughter and everything that that took place yep. uh, late last year, I believe, or the year before after the 2016 Olympics, actually. So um, he did have a lot of other outside factors that were affecting him. So for sure. Um, yeah. So All right. it'll be interesting. Last over under I have, and then one other question at the end. So last over under Sydney McLaughlin, the, I think, would you say the biggest name in us track this year? I think it's not even close, right? I wouldn't say, no, I would say it's close. I think no Lyles is making as big of an okay. as big of a splash. It's just Sydney has bigger moments because she's and but I you know similarly they're both doing these things in multiple events where it's like Noah Lyles isn't just doing this as like he's the two hundred guy. He's dipping down to the one hundred. He I think ran a four hundred earlier this year or he could if you really asked him to to be a part of it and would would do well at it. Um, I think the the big thing was with Sydney McLaughlin she's created moments she you know, have, has these kicks to bring back a relay, um, that go viral. She's got, uh, you know, the nearly a world record in the 400 meter hurdles. She's got a fast time in the 100 and the 200, I believe. The one thing I guess that I, when I spoke to her coach for a piece on SI was that I mean, they didn't get a chance to develop her fully for the, uh, 100 meter hurdles, which is kind of like an idea they had. They scratched the plans for her to do a long jump. This girl can do it all, and so like I think, yeah. I mean, that's she. I, I she's definitely gonna be. She is the biggest star, I think, for the U.S. in sprints right now. Uh, at least on the women's side, maybe even more so than than a No Lyles. I just think it's it's great that we do have two young stars that are already, you know, looking like world champion, like world championship caliber medalists. Um, for sure. Yeah. So she ran fifty point zero seven way early in the season in April. And so assuming she's a little bit more fit than that, she's only running the one event this weekend. I have her over under at 49.90. Are you going over or under? I'm going to go slightly over. I think it'll be like 49.92 or something like that. She will, she'll break 50. She might, but I, I yeah, I, uh yeah, I think this is this is such interesting it's such an interesting concept for someone to listen through my thought process once I once these things are hitting me for the first time. Like this is pretty much how I do some some betting regardless <laughs> and other sorts of kind of like, ah, was that a good idea? Was that a bad idea? Um I'm gonna stick with it. It's slightly over. It's been a long year for her. And she's still gonna keep going after this. I think the plan is for her to to run some some meets in, in this in Europe for a bit, and then um, because Coach Florial, who now just took the job at the University of Texas, and you know all the pros are going to follow him there. There's going to be, a, I guess, a little bit of a transition period before or after they go out to Europe, but then they'll take a break and get everything settled, and then it'll be on to another track season. So it's been a long year, but she thrives off of these long years. Like right after the 2016 Olympics, like maybe she took a couple like a week or two off, but then it was right into just like her high school year. It's crazy. She's, it's great to see her racing a lot and running so well, because that's how a lot of old, old school athletes used to do it. I remember she mentioned to me, she used to watch Edwin Moses races in the middle of her class um, in while she was in high school uh, because they had laptops and, and, and they were allowed to have laptops at their desks. And Glad so she wasn't the only student. Uh, you know, not paying attention to class and watching other kinds of videos. Yeah, exactly. So I think she's a really smart athlete for someone who's only 18 years old. I think just slightly over because it is a long year, just like Michael Norman. I'm going under. I think fresh 
with two weeks since NCs. Oh, I didn't. I think she's going to have like forty nine seventy five. Book it. Yeah, I guess. Wow. Yeah, that's fast. That is fast. I'm just saying. And she does run really well in the rain. You mentioned there was, might be some rain in uh, the forecast, so maybe you might be right on that one. Whatever it is, we have to have someone write these down and tweet them at us to see like who was right and who was wrong. Oh, we're going to be totally wrong, but that's okay. And so last thing, so now that Sydney McLaughlin has gone pro, who, what shoe sponsor is she going to sign with? This is something I've thought about, um, something that I've talked about in the office because our intern this summer, Pat, shout out Patrick Castlin, um, uh, fellow track fan we talked about in the office. He's a sit with. Chris, do you have any thoughts on uh, who, what shoe sponsor Sidney Laughlin is going to sign with? Yeah, ever since I guess like in the last like two two years or so, I've kind of like have really stopped caring too much about like who is signed to to what. But this is going to be really interesting because I was initially inclined to think like maybe Sydney McLaughlin makes headlines as like she signs the biggest contract for a a athlete coming out of college. Andrew Weeding really, I guess, kind of like made that a thing when he turned pro is just because he was, you know, going to be the face of like us distance running for, for, for years to come because he made the Olympic team in 2008 and then he was still running really well um, in college and making teams. I think Sydney McLaughlin is, has the potential to be a bigger star. Do I think she signs like the biggest contract ever? Like for, for someone out of, out of college? Maybe, but it, I, you know, cause okay. You have an interesting theory. You don't think she goes a traditional route. If I do, if I do see her leaning toward the money, then obviously I could see her going to someone like Nike. Yeah. I mean, I, I think without a doubt, she's going to get the biggest contract ever. Now we don't have quite the transparency when it comes to that stuff and track as we do with other sports, but, um, I don't think you've ever gotten someone both with the athletic talent, the charisma, everything going for her. I mean, you, you saw her become such a big star during the 2016 Olympics when she was still in high school. Um, in the lead up to 2020, a lot of brands are going to be looking for marquee figures to feature. And um, to me, this is my sort of wild card out of the box uh, pick. It's going to be a brand who recently lost a big, 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 massive star in track and field, a brand that you've recently seen venture into pro basketball, signing the likes of DeAndre Eaton and Marvin Bagley, and that's Puma. I mean, they've got to replace Usain Bolt with someone now. He's probably still on retainer. They're still probably paying him a lot, but they have a budget now to go after someone big and Leading up to Tokyo, they want someone they can really um, tie their brand to. And to me, it's a no-brainer. That's Sydney McLaughlin. I can see it. I can see it now. Now, I guess when you yeah. kind of like outlined it, it's like, yeah, sure, I could see a commercial starring Rihanna and Sydney McLaughlin. There you go. But I, if you think about it, it's like Bolt has – has like global presence and was like an accomplished like I think it's just like Sydney McLaughlin doesn't have a world championship medal yet and she's running these fast times she's making a big splash on the US scene it's just kind of like globally she isn't as big of a star outside of the US just yet so I think like it might like if money talks, then it will be someone as big as like Nike. I do think her and her family are, I think, a little smarter of like crafting this sort of like, uh, I guess her personal brand because they decided to go like, hey, Sydney is going to go to college for one year, work with Coach Florial, and she's going to add NCAA titles to her, uh, her resume. She added all these highlights as a really dominant high school athlete. So it's like, she's got, she's got this story 
that you know she made the Olympic team. She dominated in high school. She went to college, won NCAA titles, is nearing the world record. Now she's ready to turn pro. It's all lining up perfectly. It's just a matter of like I think what brand most closely follows i guess maybe their vision of what they have for the the hope to have for her and also kind of like who's going to best utilize that brand of hers and so um i'm sure it's a crazy bidding war right now and it'll be interesting like i'm even curious like what agent she lands with but that's just like that's very inside track and field um but yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. I hope we can get some sort of details on like how big the contract is. Not not really like numbers, but just know just how it stacks up historically. Um, so yeah, a lot of interesting stuff. Maybe it happens as soon as we're in Des Moines. Um, but it'll be interesting. So I think everyone should stay tuned to CityusMag.com. Follow everyone on, on Twitter, at CityusMag, on Instagram. At Sidious Mag, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Sidious Mag. Donate to the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Sidious Mag because uh, that's how we're paying for meals uh, on this trip. So um, it'll be interesting. We have a house out there. If you are in Des Moines, shoot us a tweet, shoot us a DM on you know any of those social channels, and we'll be able to tell you kind of where we're at. Uh, where we're at, we're always willing to hang out and say hi. Um, so yeah, Kevin, any last words? Just really excited to hang out with all you guys in Des Moines, not just to watch some track, but also to be in Iowa to explore a 2020 presidential run.